All right. Here's a question I have for everyone. How many of you have ever had a moment where your mind kind of spun out crazy and you began to have some like super irrational thoughts about any kind of random thing ever? Anybody had that? Raise your hands. Okay. For those of you who don't raise your hands, you're liars. Everybody has been in that place before of having totally irrational thoughts. You know, you know how this thing can spin out of control because we've all done it. You were there. You're like, if I don't pass this exam, I won't finish college, and then I'm going to end up living in my parents' basement. And then I, if I live in my parents' basement, I can't get a girlfriend. I can't get a girlfriend. I can't have a wife. I don't have a wife, and I can't get kids. I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone. And so if I don't pass this exam, I'm living alone forever. And it's just like, what? Hey, settle down. It, our minds can do that thing where it kind of spins out a little bit. I, I remember, and I actually had this thought, and I'm not even sure if I've actually shared this with my wife at all, but the first time when she told, yeah, so that's always like, oh, we're treading on ground, crazy, quasi ice here. Okay, no, uh, it's really not that big a deal, but this actually, this thought did come up in my head. The first time when my wife came and she told me we were pregnant for the first time and we were going to have a kid. And I just was like the shock of that moment, right? And, and you're like excited. Your, your knees are a little wobbly. And you're not sure if you can stand. And you're a little bit excited. But then at least in my mind, and maybe some of you dudes can understand, you know, but I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we have to got to be able to provide. And I remember, and I had one distinct thought, oh, my gosh, how are we going to afford another car? <laughs> I've got 17 years to figure this thing out. I mean, totally, I mean, and we're still, I mean, we've got a little ways to go. My son's 12. I still got five more years to figure this thing out. But I remember on the first day, we figured out we've got life, new life in our house. And I'm like, how are we going to get a car for this kid? And I just, it's totally irrational. It doesn't even make sense. But we have these thoughts that pop up in our heads all the time. That's what this series has been about is kind of discovering like how our minds work and the healthy ways that they do and the healthy and the unhealthy ways that they function. And one of the things that we've said all along here is, listen, our lives are going in the direction of our strongest thoughts so that if our strongest thoughts are negative are broken apart from faith, then we're going to find our lives going on that same trajectory. And we can't stop the freight train. Wherever our minds go, that's where our lives are going. And we've seen that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Well, one of the ways that our minds most betray us is in the place of worry, in the place of anxiety, in the place of stress. Things that we have fear of that begin to feel like they're spinning out of control. Now, listen. Not all fear is of the devil. Can we just agree? There's actually a healthy fear, right? There's that fear that when the, when the fireplace is super hot, don't put your hand into that thing, right? There's, there's that thing that tells you that's not a good idea. You should be afraid of shoving your hand into a flame. That's kind of a normal thing. In fact, there's actually a spot. There's, some, there's this thing in your brain. It's called the amygdala. This is deep research here, okay? There's a, there's a couple little tiny walnut-shaped things, and it actually informs. This is the thing that processes your emotions, and this is the thing that helps 
you go, hey, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't go there. It'll, it'll kind of flash out. It's that thing when you know, you're, you're hanging out in the front yard, you're in the driveway, and your little toddler does not know the difference between the driveway and the street. And then all of a sudden, the toddler decides that he thinks he's a car, and so he wants to run out into the street, right? So he's toddling over, right? Trying to keep his balance, and he's running out that way. And you freak out, and you say, stop. And then you pull a hamstring trying to run over and grab the kid and keep the kid from going. That's, that's that little spot in your brain that says, no, that's, that's not good. Don't do that. Bad. Now, here's the problem is that that little thing there, that's all that thing does. It just freaks out. It just wigs out all the time. Uh, it, it's, it's constantly doing that. And there's the prefrontal cortex of our brain that has to tell you, hey, maybe you don't need to freak out so much about this one thing. I remember uh, when we were, uh, we were in a- uh, Abilene, West Texas. West Texas is kind of known for basically two things, tumbleweeds and rattlesnakes. That's basically what it's known for. And a lot of oil and cotton. But other than that, that's what it's known for. We were having coffee on our, our porch, uh, our back porch, and uh, either, you know, my, either me or my wife, we left our coffee mug on the, on the back porch. So uh, just a, a few minutes later, it seemed like maybe, maybe 20, 10 or 20 minutes later, my, my daughter is going out the back door on the back porch, and then she screams, freaks out, and then jumps back into the house. And she's like, of course, kids are screaming all the time. You understand this? Like from basically from the age of two until 10, they just scream for no reason, right? That just happens. But you figure out the screams and you learn that this is a, a real scream. And she says, there's a snake out there. And I'm thinking, well, there's lots of snakes in Texas. And I go out there and it's a bona fide rattlesnake that is coiled up next to the coffee mug getting warm. And this was to kind of sound dumb, but it was, it, was a, it was a baby rattlesnake. So, which sounds like, oh, it's a baby. It's cute. No. <laughs> baby rattlesnakes are the worst because they don't know how to regulate their venom. So they just shoot it all. And so, um, so I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've got to handle this snake. And so I find, I just, I go immediately into the garage and I just find the largest tool, the longest tool I've got, right? And it's like, and it's really not, it's like a shovel and I'm like, okay. So I go out there and I'm like, I'm on you, Satan. I got this. And I'm like, all right, but the little things in my head are going off like insane, right? So like, so I'm like, and I'm, so I'm in attack mode. So like, it would be normal just to go up and just go ahead and cut its head off. But instead I was like, kind of do like a power ranger, like ran up to it and they're like, yeah, like that. And I killed that thing. I killed Satan. Um, <laughs> but there's this thing going on here from like, hey, you can't freak out, but also you needed to handle this and take care of this. And there's these two parts of the brain that are actually going back and forth. That, that little fear center, it doesn't regulate emotions. So there's another part of the brain that comes in and says, hey, you need to maybe not freak out. Those, those irrational thoughts need to be hauled in. We, and we've all had that before, right? You get you, those irrational thoughts. We've talked about those, you know, go two days in a row, you've got a headache. And then you have a headache the next day and it's in the same place. And all of a sudden you're like, I've got a tumor. I've got, it's a tumor, I know it is. And that little center's telling you that, and then the front of your head says, oh wait, it's allergy season. 
I don't need brain surgery. I just need Claritin. Like it just helps you regulate. You don't have a tumor. You don't need brain surgery. You just got to think through this a little bit. Every one of us has this thing in us that physiologically that's telling us, hey, there's things to be fearful of. Now, here's the problem. We can continue to listen to that thing telling us to be afraid or to worry uh, or to be fearful of whatever's going on. And what we do is we can begin to spiral uh, over and over in our minds, begin to think on something where it's no longer just about making sure that everything's okay, and it all of a sudden becomes a place of anxiety, stress, and worry. That thing that we're supposed to have to help regulate, we, it gets pushed out of the way, and what we find ourselves in is it feels better for some reason to think that we can somehow fix the things. And not only do we have this physiological thing going on, but there's actually a spiritual reality going on where the enemy is coming in and whispering and speaking lies to us and saying, how are you going to handle this? When you, you and I actually come up to those real places in life, like, what are you going to do about this? Or speaking lies like, hey, your marriage is always going to be rough. It's never going to be good. And you feel anxiety. Or that whisper that comes in and says, you don't have what it takes to do that job. And we feel worry. You're never going to overcome this area of your life, this area of weakness. And we hear these little whispers going on and on and on. And here is what the Holy Spirit wants to say. Here's what God wants to say. In the midst of our, mind, our natural minds and in the midst of the voice of the enemy, what we're going to see from the scripture is, listen, you can let the fear take over you. Or you can let the worry or doubt. You can let the enemy come and lie to you. Or you can bring everything that you got going on in your life to me. And I'll make an exchange for my supernatural peace. This is the promise. I want you to see this in the word. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to go to verse 6. Now, here's the instruction or the command that's given from Paul. And I'm going to read it, and then we'll just talk through this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen, before we talk through this, Paul has plenty to stress about because he's writing this letter while he's in prison. His life doesn't look super great. He's under house arrest. Roman guard is literally every eight hours on a rotation, watching over his life, can't go anywhere. He's in chains, and he's writing this, and he's able to say to the Philippian church, listen, I'm here in Rome, and I'm under arrest, but listen, don't be anxious. Now, i got to be honest with you. If I was in prison, I don't know what my thoughts and feelings would be my hope and prayer is that I'd have the kind of faith to be able to say this, but I, what we have here is a man who's speaking uh, 
with authority on behalf of the Holy Spirit. So these are God's words to every one of us. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. This, this word anxiety, the picture here is to brood over. So what Paul is saying is, hey, that thing that's in front of you, that you're worried of, that thing that you have fear of, that thing that's circling in front of you, don't, don't brood over this. Don't let this thing circle in your mind. Don't let it have its place where you go over and over and over, worrying, trying to figure out how to solve this issue. You got this thing pulling you in, right? It's giving you knots in your neck. You've been there. Or you can't sleep very well at night. Or you got an ulcer in your gut because this thing is chewing you up. And he says, hey, don't be anxious. Don't brood over this thing. Have you ever had that thought? I don't know if you've, uh, maybe even life is good going well. You ever had that thought, man, life is good. I wonder, I wonder when the bad thing's going to happen. Like, man, things are going okay. I know there's something bad around the corner. It's that worry, that fear center, that place of anxiety where we go, I don't really know that I can trust what God says about his care for me. I'm going to tell you, this, that is not God's design for our lives that way of thinking. It's not how he's designed it. How do I know that? Because worry and anxiety have no part of our final home. There's not one of us that when we get to our final home in the presence of Jesus, that will struggle in any way, form, or fashion with anxiety or worry. So if that's true of our final home, church, Jesus is here ready to remove that from our lives today, to begin to move in the ways that we think and come against the lies of the enemy to bring us to that place. I, 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 love, I, I was at uh, Instagram this week, and I just thought of Dr. Tim Keller's one of my favorite pastor, theologian, and he just one of his little uh, Instagrams said this, worry is not believing that God will get it right. And it just stung for a moment, right? Because you feel the weight of this, that whatever place that you and I are brooding over with anxiety, what is at the center of that belief is that God isn't going to do what we need him to do. or We don't believe that he'll do what is right and good for our lives. We don't believe that he actually can or will come through for us. And it begins to pull up from, the, I don't know if you pull up from that deep place and call up those places of insecurity and it causes us to come to this point to begin to ask the question, okay, God, do I really believe that you're good? Do I really believe you have power to overcome, right? Now, every one of us handles anxiety differently. And I want us just to begin to think about the pattern with which we tend to deal with the things that we become afraid of, if you will. Because some of us go into fix-it mode, all right, you have the thing in front of you and you're like, what are the next seven steps I gotta do to fix this thing? And you're like trying to figure out, what do I gotta do? I gotta do this, I gotta go there. If I do this, then I can think, I can knock this thing out, okay? That's one way of handling it. Some of you are the fixers. Some of you, you just, you go into like, 
hiding, like just, I'm going to pretend like it's not there. If I just keep pushing it under the rug enough and pretend like it's really not an issue, then eventually it'll go away. And so we'll just kind of go into this uh, almost sleepless state when it, when it comes to the emotional issues or the things that we're worried about in our lives. Some of you will try to manipulate. So if I get this person to do this, and then if I think it, if I can work this situation around, then I think I can fix this thing. And it's about controlling other people around you. Some of you will do the blame game. If this person would only just do this, and then that would fix all of the other things. And we start thinking about all the people that haven't done their job. But listen, it doesn't really matter how we handle it. The fact is, is all of those things are pointing to a place where we've got a lack of trust in the goodness of God to come through for us. And that's what it points to. And so this is what Paul is reaching out to each one of us, and here's what he's saying. Don't be anxious, or meaning, don't go down the road where you want to manipulate or control or to hide. But do what? What does he say? But bring everything. Bring everything. Everything. You can look this word up. This word, everything, means everything. That's what it means. It means the whole kit and caboodle. Bring everything. Meaning there's no issue that is too small. There is no issue that is too big. God's asking us by his spirit to bring everything, which means this. He cares about it all. He cares about the little thing like, hey, I'm not sure how we're going to be able to pay the bill this month. Or, hey, I'm, not, I'm, I'm worried about my, my kids' relationships with their friends or whatever it is. Now, big, small He cares about all of these things and he's looking for us. He's actually asking us. He's asking us to bring all of the things. Like there's never a moment where Jesus, you've come to him with something that's been on your mind and he's going, oh, well, when are you gonna get over that thing? The truth is when we bring everything to him, he he says, and we said this last week, he has a thought and design for everything. He's got a thought about the smallest thoughts that we have. He has a design for every plan and purpose that he's put in us. And it might feel good to try to fix, and it might feel good to try to sweep it under the rug or to manipulate or to control. But what God's saying is, instead of going down that road, would you first, would you come and would you bring everything? Bring it. It's basically what God's saying. Bring it. Bring your junk, right? Everybody say, bring your junk. junk. Some of you are like, that's so awkward. That feels weird to say, right? No, bring the junk. Bring it. Bring that stuff to him and say, I'm bringing all of these things to you. Talk to God about all the things. Talk to God about all the things. This is what he's actually, so here's what he says is, bring everything. And here's what he says, with prayer and supplication. Prayer meaning I'm bringing my thoughts to you. I'm coming into a conversation with you, acknowledging that you're real and you've got thoughts and ideas about this. I'm sharing the things that are in my heart with you. And supplications are essentially the requests, meaning this, what is it that you're asking? What are you coming to him with? Meaning God's not afraid of the question. 
Actually, God's looking for you to bring the questions. What are you asking of me? What are you asking me to do? You might even be asking the wrong question. The beautiful thing is you and I can be asking God the wrong question. He always has the right answers. He'll get us to that place. He'll get us to that place. You get an exam coming up, bring that to him. Job interview. Right? You're worried about your future spouse or you've got some financial burdens. You're dealing with an addiction. you got marriage challenges, whatever the issue is. He's like, bring this thing to me. Bring these things to me and let me speak into them. Now, here's the hitch. When you bring these things, here's the hitch. You bring it with thanksgiving. Now, this is the part that's totally countercultural. Because God's not afraid of the question. He knows the right answer. He knows the time in which he wants to reveal the answer to us. And many of us that have gone down this road know that God doesn't always answer it the way we want or in the timing that we want it. But when we bring our things to him, here's what he's saying. If you'll do it, I want you to come with a spirit of thanksgiving. Now, this is the part that's totally countercultural. This is the part that doesn't almost, uh, in the rational mind, doesn't even make sense. But he's saying, I want you to come with thanksgiving. Because when we bring our anxieties with thanksgiving, what we're doing is we're acknowledging our capacity for joy is not tied to our circumstances. Our capacity for joy is tied to the goodness of God. So the, the point of thanks is in that place where you, you might not feel thankful for the issue that's in front of you. You might feel really scared or fearful. The point of coming and saying, God, I come before you and I bless you and I thank you for my life and I thank you for what you are doing and working in me even though this is painful. When we do that, what we're doing is we're loosening the grip of this life on us and we're coming into alignment with the fact that God is forever good. Getting our minds and our hearts lined up with the fact that we have a good father who knows exactly what we need and he knows exactly where he's taking us. And it's for our good and it's for his glory. It unhooks us, that thankful prayer. And so we just begin to thank him. God, thank you for your provision. I thank you that you've covered me. I thank you for our home. I thank you for my family. I thank you for the things that you've given. Lord, there's a host of things that I need to bring this to you, but I'm coming with a thankful heart. These are the places I'm hurt. These are the places I'm worried about. These are the places that I'm afraid. These are the places where I have doubts. And I wanna be honest with you, right? Just like Psalm 101, Lord, hear my cry. That's a good prayer to pray. Lord, hear my cry. If you've ever been afraid to come and get real before the Lord and say, God, there's some stuff going on in my life, read the Psalms. I'm coming and I'm bringing the raw emotion before you. Maybe this part of my brain's going off like crazy and I I can't make any rational uh, thought out of this, but Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you. Oh, Lord, hear my cry. And in that place, when we come before him, the promise is, is that he'll meet us there. In fact, what's the scripture say? What's the promise for when you and I bring it to him? He says, then the peace of God. 
which surpasses all understanding, will come and guard your hearts and it'll guard our minds. Meaning this, this is simply and literally a peace we cannot conjure up on our own. It's not something that could be manufactured through manipulation or control or fixing or removing the problem. Because every one of us knows this, that whatever it is that you find yourself maybe worrying about now, you can fix that thing and guess what happens in the reality of life? There's another thing. Just stuff. The promise is, is that you and I will experience peace no matter mount, with the mountaintop or the valley we walk through because the peace isn't what we conjure up. The peace comes from the supernatural presence of God in our lives when we ask him for it. Lord Jesus, meet us in that place. Prayer just is that place where we begin to just touch the heart of God. It's that expression of faith. Just to say, God, I believe that you're here and I believe that you're working. And it touches his heart. And then secondarily, it gets our heart aligned with what he is and what he wants to do in us. And it's powerful. It aligns our thoughts with his thoughts. It carves those new pathways we've been talking about over these last few weeks. You know that, here's what's amazing. Even more than just what we see from the promise of scripture, do you know that scientifically they're discovering that the brain actually lines up with what the word is saying? That they've done studies over the last 20 or 30 years that show that the brain is literally always developing and that the ways that we think will cause our minds to continue to uh, uh, form or shape in a different way uh, literally, uh, scientifically, this is a, a quote. I'll throw it up on the screen for you. A doctor, Caroline Lee, from the book Switch On Your Brain says, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. 12 minutes a day in just two months can literally shift what is going on electronically, or le electronically, electrically, probably not electronically. <laughs> if you've got electronics, I want to talk through that. That's cool. But ele electrically and chemically in our minds. That God, literally the f our physiological makeup shifts into alignment with faith. It's crazy. Now, on the other hand, if we allow ourselves to brood to have anxiety, our brains will do the same thing. You want to line yourself up with the negative thoughts for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks? Guess where you will find your life? Guess where we'll find our lives? Pretty broken. And so the question becomes, wh where will we go with our thoughts? How much fretting do we do compared to praying do we do about the things in front of us? And I'll just confess, I feel so challenged by that thought. How much time do I spend thinking and fretting versus praying and requesting and asking? 
And I was challenged by this, even this week, even this stuff with the church. Oh, Lord, you know, got to try to figure out what we do here. And maybe we need to do this thing next. And what are the next steps for our church? And how can we cover these people and do all these things? And I'm telling you, there's a bajillion things I can think about in what I do in covering this church, covering my family, covering my wife, covering our children. I'm trying to think, how much time did I spend trying to think on those things? And how much time did I actually bring this with thanksgiving to the Lord saying, God, I need you to change my mind and give me peace. I've been asking that question of myself. How much do I really believe the true word of God? And so it's time for us just to begin to confront worry and anxiety for what it actually is. And this isn't the cute word and nobody enjoys this, but worry and anxiety is that sinful place, that place of sin where we don't trust God with our lives. I've been confronted with this even in my own life where I don't trust your promises and I don't trust your power in my life. And so those places we wanna to begin to bring to him. So here's the question, what do we do? What do we do with the thoughts? How do, we, how do we begin to do that? Romans chapter eight spells it right out for us. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds, hear that, set your minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. There it is. Paul's actually saying, hey, you got a flesh side in you, but then for those of you that have called on the name of Jesus, you've been ransomed, you've been given a totally new life, and you get two options. Every day when you and I wake up, Will we set our minds on the things of the flesh or will we set our minds on the spirit of God? Because one thing is going to lead to death and one is going to lead to life and peace. That's where we're at, right at that place. We wanna come before him and say, hey, Lord, what are you calling me to? Because the truth is this, there are some things that we might be worried about where the Lord's asked us to actually obey and take a step, not to be passed and step back. We have to acknowledge that the things that we might be worried about, there might be things that we actually need to do. There might be steps we need to take. It isn't just sit back and pray and hope things work out. There's sometimes the Lord calls us to step out and say yes to him and trust him and obey him. But on the other hand, church, there are no less than probably a dozen things right now going on that you have zero control over, that we have zero control. And we can fret and worry or we can bring those things to the Lord and say, God, I'm coming to you with thanksgiving, believing in your goodness. This is the option that we have, each one of us, to ask that question, to come before the Lord, to step out and do what God's asked us to do, but then to also bring the things that we cannot control and bring them before the Lord. And that we'll say, God, in no matter what, we trust you to bring that to him. And that what the Lord's promise is this, that when you do that, I'll give you my peace. I'll give you my peace. I'm gonna ask the, the band to come up here. We're gonna finish out. In fact, you can put your notes down. Here's my question for you, and then we're just gonna finish with worship, one, one song of worship. And if you, in fact, I just, maybe just close your eyes for a second.
here's what I want you to do. Just, we're going to take a moment. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or come to the front or any of those things. I actually just want you to be before the Lord. And here's what I want us to do is just take a moment and ask the question, Lord, what are the things that I'm worried about? And just be honest for a moment and bring them to the Lord. Just say, here is where I really don't have peace in my life. Here is the thing that I'm worried about. I'm not sure what to do next. I don't know how to fix this thing. I don't know how to change this situation. But whatever it is that you're worried about, would you just be gut level honest with the Lord right now? Don't hold anything back. Bring it all. Bring the thoughts. Bring the ideas. Bring the issue. Now, as you're honest with the Lord about this thing, there are two ways that you can go. You can begin to set your mind on the flesh and all the things that might go wrong or the things that aren't happening yet or the things that haven't been fixed. You can set your mind on the things of the flesh or you could take that thing and you can bring it to the spirit and say, Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, I'm bringing this to you. What do you have to say? And just where you're at, would you ask him that question? Lord Jesus, what do you have to say to me? Not my mind and not the enemy. What do you say? And just ask him. What life and peace do you want to offer? Now, would you just be willing to receive, if you had a, just a sense for maybe what's going on in your heart or mind, say, Lord Jesus, I want to receive your word over my own word. I want to receive your truth and I want to put my trust in you. Finally, brothers, whatever's true and whatever's honorable and whatever is just and whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you've learned and what you've received, would you put it into practice? So there it is. Put it into practice. What does the Lord want to say to you? And will you walk in it? Just say, I'm going to walk in it. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm going to receive it, and then I'll walk in it. I'm going to practice it. And here's the promise, Philippians 4. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Do you believe this morning, fresh and new, the God of peace is with you, ready to walk with you arm in arm and take you through every storm of life, give you his promises of peace, 
his promise of his goodness, even in the midst of turmoil, meeting you in that place. God, we thank you that you're the faithful one we can trust. Will you stand? We're just gonna finish this morning. This last just few minutes and declare in our trust in the goodness of God. Declare with our voices, our lungs, our words and our minds that he's trustworthy and good, that he will always come through for us. And we're gonna leave here with our faith bolstered, believing more today than we did yesterday. God, would you do that right now? We ask in the name of Jesus that we might believe you more today than we did yesterday for your goodness in our lives. Let's sing.